This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with Paul and producer Dave, your boy PD. And today we're going to be talking Disney Plus's show, The Mandalorian. This is going to be season three, episode eight, season three finale, chapter 24, entitled The Return. And before we dive into it, I do want to reroute you over to BingetownTV.com. That has our full catalog of all the shows that we've covered. We're pushing like 400 episodes at this point. We have like over 30 shows and the website is new. It looks great. Jimmy spent a lot of time on it. So go on over to BingetownTV.com and support the podcast, please. And thank you. All right. Season three finale right now on IMDb. It is at an 8.5, which isn't even the highest rated of the season, Um, but 8.5 is nothing bad. It's pretty good. Um, And I think my first watch through, I was really satisfied because there was a lot of awesome action scenes, Bo-Katan leading the charge with the dark saber, but it felt like easy almost. And it, felt very fast and it was a relatively short episode so the longer i think about it almost the more i'm like ah you know what they could have done a little bit more with it what are you guys thinking i absolutely loved this finale episode <laughs> there um, you go. i agree i will agree it did feel kind of fast i was shocked to see it release i think it was at 40 38 minutes maybe it was the total airtime of the episode so i was a little shocked to see that but I really did. I really did think this was a phenomenal episode. Um, I wouldn't, I've been saying a lot of these episodes have been like, you know, top three or top five. I wouldn't put it quite there, but I think it was a very solid episode. Agreed. Things felt maybe a little fast, but I did feel at least content with everything overall as of the picture and where we're heading into season four, or at least where I think we're heading in season four. Yeah, I think the reason it went fast is because there was so many fights on so many different fronts going on. You know, looking back at it, there was kind of three different fights going on the entire episode. You know, Axwolves and and the fleet up there, Bo-Katan and her Mandalorians, you know, running to safety and then running back to fight and then Din. So in a way, it did go really fast, but I really did enjoy it. I think on the rewatch, I will say there was almost something to be desired, B Toms. And I don't think it was anything to do with this season. I think it was how there was almost a lack of setup for the next season. But, you know, this whole season, season three, you know, not the finale, but 
all the episodes before were really just world building. So that was more the setup than, you know, leaving a crazy cliffhanger on the finale. Uh, that being said, you know, I loved it. You know, everybody had their own moments to shine and just we'll, we'll talk about it more. But yeah, I, I fucking loved this action scene. I will add to that. I still think that this was probably by far my favorite Mandalorian season so far. And like not to say that the other season has been bad. I just something about this season just hit me in every way. Like every episode really did feel like a treat. Like we didn't really get much of the the side journeys as much as we have in the past season. So I th- as a whole, even though this was a little bit shorter, I believe being only eight episodes versus like maybe sometimes I think seasons have been 10 sometimes. But I think they're always eight. Are they okay? This is episode twenty-four, so that would make sense. Duh, that makes sense mathematically. Um, rather, but still, I think this is my favorite season. I fucking this was phenomenal. It's interesting you say that because based on how I'm reading the community, that would be a hot take. Really, um, and I, I would probably agree with the community that season mm. three has been a down season. Mm. And there's not much I can say. I've been reading the Ringers article, uh, and this one sentence was: "Its twist was its lack of twists." I feel like it was like very expected, like. Yeah, it was a swing and a miss. Last episode, I was like, guys, I think Din could die next episode, which was way too extreme. That was a crazy. <laughs> we take. love it, though. We love but it. At the very least, like maybe he would have gotten interrogated like a little bit harsher than just like being dragged and he, like escaping. Yeah, he escaped within the first two minutes of the episode while he was bound and took out three best car clad stormtroopers. I was like, I, OK, so <laughs> two shows in a row. Pedro Pascal does that. I don't want to give away too many spoilers if you didn't watch The Last of Us. But again, dude, just get more than two people to escort your prisoner and you'll be good. Like yeah. no wonder, no wonder Darth Vader fucking carbon froze Han Solo because he was like, dude, I'm not gonna risk just you know chaperoning him all the way there. I'm gonna freeze yeah, I'll do his it ass. myself. Yeah, I'll yeah. just do, watch yeah. him do it myself. I'll alter the agreement all I want and pray I don't alter it farther. Uh, so <laughs> I agree that it was kind of easy for for Din to escape. And, you know, Grogu does kind of come in at the end. We'll get to it. But I, I agree that it was almost a little too simple for, you know, one of the big bads, Moff Gideon, who yeah. is so smart. One of the big twists of this season was that Moff Gideon was revealed to have escaped, which like really didn't feel like a big reveal because we knew the caliber of person Moff Gideon was. So they like had made it to be like this big mystery when in reality it just had felt it natural. Was kind of inevitable. Yeah, it was just yeah, inevitable. That was, that was the like assumption. the big twist. It wasn't like if, having it was having it confirmed was a cool moment. I mean, but... coming off the Luke Skywalker reveal, I mean, that is definitely hard to follow up with. Um from season two but i think as for character growth wise for grogu for din i think it was a phenomenal season but i i can see why my take would be hot and why the community would also agree that it was kind of like a just a simple season on face but i'm ready to go i'm ready to go Let's do it. And before we do get into it, I want to take this moment to apologize. This is going to be released a little bit late. Mm. We've said it before. Our work schedules have been a little bit 
uh, hectic recently, and the podcast production has suffered as a result. <laughs> and we appreciate we, you guys. We tend to procrastinate when we know it's a finale, so we don't have to get it out before next uh, next week's episode. So a little bit of both there, uh, but hopefully it is worth the wait, and we apologize for the delay. But yeah, we kind of touched on Din's first scene here where he dismantles the two best car clad storm t- i think there were three honestly and then ig12 slash grogu bails him out but then bo katan has the opening scene when she's talking to axe who loses contact in the atmosphere honestly this episode was just like a thrill ride it was like mm-hmm. very hard to take notes because it's a lot of like moving parts from i guess paul you kind of said that earlier like there's a lot of different stuff going on yeah, it's kind of like a fight on three different fronts. You know, mm-hmm. Axwell's in the fleet. It doesn't have a whole lot going on, but still, you know, everything's so bang, bang. You know, Dude. as you're watching it, you're like, wait, is, is Axe going to come in at the end and like kind of save everybody? I, I kind of forget what's going on. Dude. So Axe <laughs> played a very pivotal role in this. One of the things, like another lack of twist, people were thinking Axe might have been a spy, like an inside Dude. man betraying the Mandalorians. That, I and- was... So I was on that ride for a little bit because he was up in the atmosphere. I didn't like fully trust the guy yet. He he had been causing issues and like the transponders going out when he's in the sky. So I'm like, this might just all be part of the plan. And he comes in and like he tell he's telling the other Mandalorian, like, you got to get everyone out of here. And it looks like he's not even believing Axe Wolves. So I'm like, dude, Axe is just going to betray everybody and just like save himself and just go off into the distance. Genuinely thought he was going to take the it's not the Imperial Cruiser. What is it? Light Cruiser, Name it, right? I genuinely thought when he took control, he was going to bring it back to Moff and be like, hey, I brought you shit back. Let me yeah. work for you. But um, nah, he uh, he came around and I think Paz's death really affected him the episode mm-hmm. before. Yeah, definitely. And the one thing I will say about IG-11 Grogu or IG-12 Grogu coming to save Mando is when he, j- he comes in, he's just like, no. No, no. (laughs) I can't. I will never get over that. I will never get over it. And this whole fight, I will say the stormtrooper best car. And when the Mandos fight them, the the clink of their armors when they throw a punch, very satisfying. And they um, look so good. They do. Like we said, there's going to be a million of them at Comic-Con now. And (laughs) I will say all the scenes with Axe, like flying through the atmosphere, look fantastic, Mm -hmm. too. Like definitely, definitely. And when Din, he just got done getting flamethrowered, Grogu comes in and saves him. So Grogu hits him with a little cooldown, like Smith spray. <laughs> yeah. And, he, yep. and he's like, dude, I'm fine. I'm fine. Help me out. Help me out. <laughs> it was so funny. I love how they made Grogu such a comedic character without even being able to just like speak really. Two words. Like, yeah, yes just, and no. Just being able to understand him saying yes and no is. It's so much better to be able to communicate and understand where he's coming from. He was adorable as always this episode. I can't get enough. Well, he does lose the suit going forward, so mm-hmm. it was short-lived, but I'm getting ahead of myself there. <laughs> also, Den and Grogu have a nice moment where he's like, you need to be brave. If we don't take out mm-hmm. Moff Gideon, then this will never end, which is true. I think they knew they had to deal with the threat now and finish mm-hmm. it once and for all. Are you with me? And this is kind of like a promotion for Grogu. Usually he's like on the sidelines in daycare with Lizzo or Pelimato or someone else. Now he's like, okay, buddy, you've like, gotten me out of some sticky situations enough you've earned this right to like be with me during the battle and grogu was willing to accept the challenge to me at least even though he doesn't speak like reading his body language and his cooing 
it, he was ready for it. You know, he he had always wanted to be a part of these missions, and you know, Father Din, Daddy Din wouldn't let him, and now he's rising to the occasion. And he crushes it, man. Happy for our boy. And he needed him too. Yeah, I think. Absolutely. I think. I think Din knew that as well. He's he's like, hey, I'm gonna need your assistance here. I'm not gonna be able to do this. So mm-hmm. let's uh let's fucking go get this guy. <laughs> and oh my god, R four. Can we talk about R five? R five. R five. Oh my god, I'm the worst. R five D five. Yeah, R five D five. So cool, man. I we talked about it before, but the fact that they are able to portray a personality on a yeah. droid is so funny, man. His Agreed. little his little worried beeps and stuff as as he's going, and and the little mouse droids. Yeah, he stepped. R five stepped up to the plate, man. Another one that was shitting shitting its droid pants a little bit ago, and now is being forced to enter the the lair of the enemy, and you know do some stealth reconnaissance. But R five stepped to the plate. I think our boy Daddy Daddy Din just the family's growing, <laughs> baby. The family's growing. I loved the scene, like just how it looked. Him jetpacking down, descending. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, it was just Star Wars Day. May the Fourth be with you. Uh, I watched Blue Harvest, and those little rat droids have the funniest scene where they're like, "Oh man, I was thinking about Tyra Banks or something like that." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So the, funny. The that whole episode guy. is such good fan service blue yeah. harvest from family guy it's yeah. unbelievable the little scene transitions that they mm-hmm. bring from the original trilogy to the sh- the show go back and watch it if you guys haven't seen it in a while because if you're a real star wars fan you will appreciate it more than the average family guy fan oh yeah for sure yeah so while this is going on bo-katan and the other mandalorians are making their way out of the mines i guess and then they jetpack away the native mandalorians know a place which winds up being that cave with kind of the thriving flowers and stuff that was really cool how they say you know there's enemies above there's enemies below so we were able to find this haven but i was like oh and you were able to find a garden too or you were able to find foliage and he was like no we planted this garden like we farmed and we made it livable here so it's really cool really weird to see green plants on Mandalore, yeah. if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think it kind of really gave Bo-Katan like a spark of hope, something, a little extra nudge to fight for, to to see that your home really can be saved. Wally vibes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And people were, this is one of the things, people were complaining like, oh, why didn't you kind of give this dialogue a little bit more about, I don't know, just exploring this part of Mandalore more. And I feel like, they're just kind of uh, presenting these topics to be explored maybe in a later season or maybe Bo-Katan gets her own show. Like, I feel like they're going to be able to deep dive what's going on on Mandalore during the rebuild in a later time. That didn't really have to be dissected this episode, but it was definitely a cool moment. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I don't think there was any need for them, especially now when we're so focused on the future of Mandalore rather than its past. Like, we already understand that Mandalore you know, it was completely unlivable, uninhabitable. So we don't really need to dive too much more into that when we want to focus more on the future. They can save that for another opportunity. Yeah. So moving through, Axe is informing the command center up in the fleet. Uh, just send all available reinforcements to the ground. We want to have the fight down there because we'll lose a battle in the sky. All like remain as a decoy. 
Uh, this dude wound up being like the most loyal person of all. This is an awesome shot of him just in the command chair, like all the TIE fighters just going down with the ship. This whole time, I was just thinking Mandalorians are a cheat code. Like that shit was going mm -hmm. down. If it was a regular Empire officer, he would have just died. He just put on the helmet, jetpacked out the window, and he was like, fine. Axe Wolves was pretty cool this episode. That's all I want to say, guys. Yeah. Paul, Paul, I think you're absolutely right that Paz's death really did hit him. Like I'm thinking of him and Paz fighting on the ship from him and Paz now being, you know, having to work together and try and like retake back Mandalore. I really think that through Paz, through his experiences with Bogotan, like he just he found his home and it was so satisfying knowing that he wasn't going to betray us because I'm sure for some people it was probably very obvious that he was actually going to fulfill the mission. It wasn't so obvious to me and I it, seeing him come up clutch in the way that he did just don the helmet like you said Paul it was just so badass and he was the pride of he was the MVP if, if this was our Yellow Jackets coverage he would be the MVP of this episode you know he would be he would get one MVP probably. yeah <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, he yeah true. I guess there were a few MVPs. a lot of people did a lot yeah. of good things this Grogu, <laughs> Grogu yeah. could have been MVP yeah like I, I still thought that his number one priority was going to be money because he was that mercenary and mm -hmm. they made it a point. But so I was expecting, you know, maybe Moff to hop on his comms and be like, hey, I'll give you like a million credits to fuck off and not join this fight or whatever. But man, he was loyal as hell. Exactly what you're saying. Going down with the ship all the way to the last second. Um, I was hysterical. Well, we'll get to it. But at the end, he's like. I'm coming in hot. Get the fuck out of there. I'm like, dude, a, li a little bit more warning. I know you couldn't, Christ. But we talked about how many cool scenes there were. And this might be my favorite scene of Mando going through the ray shields mm -hmm. and R4 dropping them slowly one by one. I mean, this yep. I, I genuinely think this might be more hype and fun to watch and exciting th than the Moff Gideon Din fight. But I mean, R4 stepping it up. Maybe that's why the little R5 suspense. put some respect uh, dude, on it. <laughs> I can't. I, I know. I know. I was just saying how good he is. And I don't even know his name. No, but well, I'm right. I'm right there with you. This again, I think you said in the last episode, but these these barrier shields taking you back to the Phantom Menace. I mean, it's exactly what I was feeling through this. It was so cool. Mando just having to one one by one each room. Well, I guess he was one V twoing each room, but it was just cool how they separated it so that he wasn't having to take on all 10 of them at once because this was way more realistic to have r5 break him down one at a time rather than just all 10 of them show up at once and kick his ass he's just going in barehanded and he's just picking up their weapons yeah just picking up the weapons that he could get yeah he's so, it, he's such a it's so cool seeing how great of a weapons mastery is just from being a, a like using a blaster to just anything of the the star wars weapons and gadgetry that he finds he's just a master with automatically I think some people felt a little cheated that like he didn't have a weapon and he was just once again pretty easily able to take out. I think, I think the these I, Beskar stormtroopers were leveled down during altercations with Mando specifically. I don't know why I'm choosing to complain about it so I much think, this episode because this is like quintessential Star Wars. Logic. I don't have. I personally don't have a problem with it. I guess. Because for me, as someone who's probably as the most casual of kind of the Star Wars watcher, it's just it, it felt realistic. I mean, yes, he didn't have a weapon. Yes, they have Beskar armor, the stormtroopers. But at the end of the day, they're stormtroopers. We've seen people take down thousands of them. Who cares if they get an armor upgrade? Mando is a warrior. 
like a trained trained warrior from being a kid where these guys might not have that experience and again it was 1v2 whereas if it was a 1v10 and he came out alive then i would be like okay he got off scot free but because yeah. it was they separated it into be little these smaller groups of combat i personally could buy it i i wasn't too i didn't feel too cheated with it yeah I, i'm on dave's side here just because even the stormtroopers were trying to say like hey drop the shield so we can go in and, and fight him but r5 was you know making it impossible for them to do that and what dave was saying you know mando is a savage like looking back at that scene on the beach where they had all of the mandalorians were training even the kids like that's the shit they do on the daily since you know they can don the creed and and wear the helmet so you know these these stormtroopers are almost like university preppy kids who, who just <laughs> yeah. never been in the streets before they've never been yeah. in a street fight that's very true. Mando is kind of that dude. And honestly, the first initial bull rush where he just like slams the guy into the laser shield. This is a cool fight. I think I'm I woke up and I chose to complain today. It's really what it was. <laughs> I read some articles violence. where people said some nasty things and I was like, you know what? We're here to we're here to bring you back Good. down yes, to our yes, side. We're here to bring you, you back thank down. You. <laughs> I did. Um, I did hear a lot, uh, though, how people weren't really enjoying this season, especially the one with Lizzo and Jack Black. And they're comparing that episode to the season before with Bill Burr and, and why they were so different. But I was like looking at it. I'm like, I mean, you can't have the same episode, you know, every season. It's just going to yeah. be re recycling. And I thought that episode was amazing with the world building aspect and this entire season brian you were pointing it out specifically the whole season was hey the empire had the best of the best gear and it shows with these beskar armor and with moff gideon's suit and how it's just unbelievably op so i really enjoyed this season even though people were saying you know it wasn't exactly their favorite Sorry about that. I just need to clear that up because <laughs> no, I did. Good. I, I was kind of getting that vibe from the community, and I was like, eh, I don't necessarily agree, but I can see where you guys are coming. I've from. seen more complaints than I have good things about the season, definitely on my end as well, which is upsetting because I've just enjoyed it. I've loved it. I truly have. So sucks if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think now how I would rank these seasons. I do feel like this finale, it's two or three, it's got to be two. Really or three. pack a punch, like. Let me ask you this. What is, in your opinion, the most iconic thing that happened this episode? Something that'll stick with you like, oh, my gosh, that season three finale. Remember when like what would be that moment? I think nothing, Mando running would through touch the, the Luke Skywalker. But yeah, go ahead. No, uh, I totally agree. And I think they're a victim of their own success in, in that sense. I think season two they're like, oh, my God, season two finale. That was one of the most historic moments in all of Star Wars. Now people are, you know, not they're not expecting something as hype, but they want something that that got them that those goosebumps that they were feeling back then. And, you know, I, I think it was a little bit hard to do with the story that they were telling here. I think uh, the end of season two got you un unbelievably excited for season three. And this finale, it just kind of like didn't. It's just like, yeah, happy ending. Yeah, I mean, for me, I agree. I, I just think that last season's ending was just so picture perfect in everyone's mind that it's hard to really do anything and follow that up with like as good of a season finale. I, I think Grogu, you know, 
the the force over the fire will be an iconic shot for me. I think, like Paul said, I think even Mandalor. I think Mandalorians, uh, Din Djarin's fight against these guys in the Force shields was more iconic than it was the than him versus Moff Gideon. I agree with that yeah. too. But yeah, it's 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 all subjective. You know, it's all it's all in the eyes of the viewer. But I I liked it a lot. Well, one of the iconic moments for me is kind of the next scene in our run through here is what revealing Moff Gideon's master plan confirmed. He has been cloning himself, the hall of Gideon's in the back to tanks or whatever. That was a cool moment. That was cool. I like that. That was the one opens its eyes at Grogu. It, it was cool, but this almost seemed like an afterthought. This was the culmination of like why Moff Gideon was such a bad, bad. You always knew he was cooking something up with the cloning and then kind of in a 45 second sequence. Whoa, all 10 of them are lined up. Let's just hit the kill button and they're done. Yeah. And maybe they're leaving it open ended. Maybe he has tanks in another planet or something. This was just one. It's like Rick and Morty, man. It's like Rick and Morty. It's he's like (laughs) Rick and he has all the vats of everywhere. And it's uh, what is the Project Phoenix? Yeah, Project Phoenix. I agree, Brian, that this was almost like an afterthought, like the, the their way of solving it was hitting a button. And it's like, all right, this really, I totally agree. This was Moff's big thing, right? This was all his master plan, what he was leading to. And the fact that he didn't even get to utilize it at all, you know, kind of stung a little bit. He does have a phenomenal line later when he's talking to Din and he was like, those were my children and you smothered them before they could draw breath. I was like, oh, yeah, the, the way he said smother and the fact that he even uses that word. It's like maybe maybe he, maybe he did care a little bit. He was showing some emotion, but I agree, Brian. I think that was the potential. What was what could have been, you know, that they see Moff in the suit, they kill him. And then all of a sudden, like two other moths come down. That would have been nuts. Yeah that would have been nuts why didn't they do that (laughs) yeah they should have at least i feel like in these shows when they hype up like a villain or some evil plot like the plot at least gets executed to some degree and they actually have to stop it like it would have been cool to at least get a couple moths in action it it wasn't bad it was just very unexpected how expected and neat and tidy everything was for everybody you know yeah. like mando gets out of his reins he immediately stumbles upon all of the clones boops them out of existence and like yeah i get I that know. yeah we'll continue with it it's, I get it's it. not bad it's just like an eight not a ten you know and there's nothing exactly. wrong with an eight i just yeah. like i demand I see, perfection I, I totally see where you're coming from though Okay, yeah. So we catch up with them kind of in the cave. They're going over how the plants are growing. We already talked about that. And then another awesome scene where the armorer gets on the comms and says, Lady Crees, your reinforcements have arrived. And I'm like, ooh, okay. That kind of got my ears perked up. I was like, <laughs> okay, the armorer is about to scrap. She was fucking amazing. Mm. I fucking loved her. I thought the 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 hammer and whatever else was a little cheesy at first step. I think one, I think Paul maybe had mentioned that a couple episodes ago, man, that's our weapon of choice, but like something about it in the skies was so much more badass. Mm. It's just seeing her fucking flying around and just, she was like dancing. It was so perfect. I loved it. She uses those tools more than anything. She knows those fit in her hand the best. So that's, that's what she wants to fight with. And you're totally right. Just the CGI, made me stand up with excitement the way that she just like 
had them behind your head cocked and ready to go flying towards somebody like a kickoff mm-hmm. just both special teams full <laughs> force and then fucking bams overhead swing it was it was awesome and and bo katan whipping out the dark saber pointing it we didn't get her riding the mythosaur with the holding the dark saber leading the charge but this was pretty badass Dude, uh, i'm not so gonna clean lie. i think I, this is when i think of bo katan i'm gonna think of her holding the dark saber charging right here that was another thing that they didn't really cash in on is the mythosaur couldn't even be bothered to get out of the water. Yeah. He just kind of gurgled underwater without any sort of reveal. I will say I was definitely waiting for a mythosaur to pop mm-hmm. up somewhere. I was definitely that uh, that will be one disappointment for me. Absolutely. They did show him at the end, which is cool. Hopefully we get more of them in season four. But this was easy cash money for them to just at least show us a little bit of yep. the power for season four. But going back to what Paul was saying, absolutely. The midair combat looked just tremendous. That was definitely satisfying for what I was hoping for. Um, And maybe if I want to talk about what's the most iconic moment, it might be her leading the charge with that dark saber. Yeah, it's so sick. I I literally I think I I rewatched the scene at least a couple of times just because I was just in such disbelief of how clean everything looked. It was so well choreographed. I I couldn't get enough of this scene. All right. So getting back to it, Din has his confrontation with Moff Gideon. um, And it's cool. Moff Gideon's riding with his own personal Praetorian guard. Mm -hmm. um, And Din gets overwhelmed pretty quickly. He cannot handle both suited up Gideon and the three Praetorian guards. This was a pretty cool moment where... Grogu gets separated by the Praetorian Guard and kind of, you know, Mando loses line of sight on him. And he's Mm -hmm. just like, oh, shit, I literally cannot bail him out of this one. He has to save himself and I have to let him go. That was that felt like a good moment for me. It was rough watching Mando try and run after him and Moff Gideon just using the the Mandalorian gadgets, basically the yeah. the rope in the in the wrist and caught him by the neck. I was, it's devastating because you could tell that Mando was absolutely like so terrified that Grogu, who's new to all these missions, is going to have to fight three expert fighters who almost just kicked his ass. You know, killed Paz pretty much. Well, Paz was you know at the end of his rope without his weapons, but anyway, yeah. I mean they're still strong as fuck. I was freaking out. I was like, you better not touch Grogu because I was, I was getting flashbacks of season one where like those stormtroopers, I don't know if they were called stormtroopers specifically, just had him in the bag. Yeah. And, oh my and, gosh. And I slapped him. I was oh. like, Grogu better not get hit again. Um, <laughs> I would go Super Saiyan immediately. Yeah. But as soon as, you know, they were actually, the four of them were in the room fighting, the Praetorian guards were swinging up at Grogu, like dancing on the lights. I was like he's not in trouble. He's laughing. He's yeah, fun. Once we got the confirmed laugh from the closed captioning, I was like, <laughs> "All right, I don't have anything to worry about. He's just having fun here." <laughs> okay, so we flash back to Bo-Katan in the air, who sees Mando trying to go toe to toe with Gideon, and she's like, "Let me just swoop down." She's like, "Yo, Mando, I kind of it's got to be me. You know, I got the dark saber now. I got an image <laughs> to uphold. If someone's gonna take on the big bad, it's me. You go help the kid." So now we have Bo-Katan first, Moff Gideon, and in the other room, Mando slash Dan goes to help Grogu. Mm-hmm. Both pretty cool fights. Mm-hmm. Question mark. I don't know. What do you guys think? I thought the Bo-Katan fight. I thought was really well done honestly i mean 
I had no issues with it. I still think Moff Gideon's suit is like one of the sexiest pieces of armor anyone could get in in the Star Wars universe. So I loved seeing that. And he was a fucking badass, man. I mean, he was overpowering her constantly in the beginning, at least before she kind of like kicked into that third gear a little bit. I was really happy with their fight, at least particularly. I mean, Bogotan was getting her ass handed to her. She kind of just let her her body take like the she let the dark saber kind of take control it felt like of her and just let it flow a little bit more fluidly and she was able to get the upper hand i was i was genuinely happy with that fight in particular well i kind of had the same feelings in the beginning i'm like all right bo's been waiting to unleash here let's fucking go and then she kind of you know get beat down a little bit and i was a little upset but that was more i guess just Exp- just showing how good the Empire's technology was, how good that shit was. I mean, every time he threw a punch, you, they did have that mechanical sound in the background. So it wasn't just like armor. It was like a, a mecha suit yeah. around and I him. Think, and I think she kind of came in a little bit hot, too, because he was riling her up a little bit with the comments of, you know, are you here to surrender or fight? Probably surrender kind of stuff, you know. So I think she was feeling all the angers that she all the emotions that she had been feeling in the past kind of rushed in, wasn't really thinking too much in the early stages of the fight. And that's why Moff Gideon was able to kind of overtake her for a second there. The lesson is nice, but I cringed a little bit when she said Mandos are stronger together. When Din and Grogu rejoined the fight, I was like, that one's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotta say it. Gotta say it. Power Uh, friendship. Yeah, it, was, it felt very power of friendship uh, type of thing. But yeah, then things move pretty quickly. You know, Grogu's pushing his whatever you call it. He had one of those electric staffs away. They're just saucing him up real good. 3v1, he stands no chance. Axes overhead, bails out of the cruiser right before it hits the city and flamey, flamey blow ups. Um, yeah. Another ambiguous exit from off gideon no body no death i i gotta think he's in the dopest armor i want to i want to say he's alive but i think they i think he's done i think what emphasizes his death is the fact that grogu went out of his way to use the force to shield them because if he had just let them suck if they had all just suffered the same fate as gideon then you know like maybe then i would believe that he was alive but grogu went out of his way to force shield the explosion thinking that it would kill all of them so i'm just gonna have to assume off gideon's dead but i was those thoughts did cross my mind question mark is this is this a to be continued with um off gideon but no I, I think he's done for yeah there's a part that's like show us the body and then it's like the other well his body's fucking disintegrated so he can't really show it um i at first i didn't think the explosion was gonna reach Grogu, Din, and Bo. I thought it was just gonna take out Only Moff, Moff like 20 feet in front of them <laughs> and I was pissed. And then they showed Grogu, thank God. And it was really cool. You know, the force field, it is pretty sick and it is like a crazy sense of wonderment. You know, you could see the shock on Bo's face and everything. Sure. With it, was, you, it, it was a good moment. Now that we, like now that I'm hearing a lot of these like complaints from the community and things do we do you guys have any issues with Bo-Katan not being the final blow to Moff Gideon like do you think it's kind of lame that he was just engulfed in flames rather than finished by Bo-Katan I personally just really quickly I'll say I actually I I found this ending to be fine I didn't really have the expectation I guess that Bo or Din 
maybe I did, but I'm I'm still fine with it because it, then it still kind of ties in together with what she said, the cheesy line about how Mandalorians uh, are stronger together. But that is something people brought up. Like they could have cashed in and had him stabbed with the dark saber, and that probably would have been satisfying. We neglected to mention that yeah. Gideon crushed the dark saber, which people oh, are kind of like, oh, that completely forgot undermines about that. Yeah. Three seasons of just showcasing how important it is even though this season they kind of uh took a step back on that and focus more on how the idea of it is important not the literal sense of ownership of it uh i i was pretty disappointed that they chose to crush it i thought that was something that didn't have to happen for us to understand that okay it has lost its importance they didn't have to physically destroy it Mm -hmm. um I, I was pretty pissed off about that, um, especially because, you know, you, you're saying it kind of destroys three seasons of work to go farther than that. If you watch like, you know, Rebels and Clone Wars, like even all of that, the sure. Darksaber. So like that's you, you don't want to say, you know, pointless now, but it, it the meaning definitely when you know the Darksaber is just going to be destroyed in the end, you know, it takes away from the whole journey and all the sacrifices made to get it. So I was a little upset. Like you were saying, they made the point Oh, the dark saber, you know, it doesn't mean you need to lead. That's the old, old ways. We, it's all about honor. Now it doesn't mean you need to destroy it. You can still have it. It's iconic and like such cool idea. So I was definitely upset that they crushed it. I didn't have any of those thoughts until now. Like I completely <laughs> agree. Like, honestly, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like you build up this weapon to be, the the main importance of your culture almost like you follow whoever has the dark saber my one thing is i guess i don't have a complete complaint of it getting destroyed i do think it is corny with everything that you guys are saying that like oh like you know it's not who is the wheel of the dark saber it's you know whoever is the most honorable person like i think that's cheesy definitely but to me i think there's still an opportunity maybe i'm just like being an optimistic here but i think there's still an opportunity for them to maybe potentially reforge the dark saber i was just thinking uh grogu still needs a saber of his own maybe like they fractured the kyber crystal i'm not sure that would make like a a shorter blade or something like that so now this is all dependent on them using this storyline and doing something cool with it absolutely but as of right now until proven otherwise, I'm pretty thumbs down on the decision to destroy the dark Darkseid. Agreed. Until they either choose to replace it or reforge it, I'm going to be under the impression that that was a, a bad decision for them to destroy it if they completely wipe out that storyline, which I hope they don't. I don't think they will. That's the only thing making me happy that it was destroyed is this potential outcome of a new Darksaber coming out. We'll have to just wait and see, though. Okay, how about this? When you just said reforged, that just triggered something. It was Paz Vizsla's ancestor, the Jedi Mandalorian, that forged it. So what if they do save the Kyber Crystal somehow and his descendant, kid, I forget his name. What if he... Ragnar. Ragnar. What if he reforges the the Darksaber in like a year or two? Or a few years, I guess, when he's older and learns how to do that shit. That would be kind of cool. It's if possible. they if they did That'd show cool. the reforging. I was just gonna go back because when we were talking about, you know, how did you feel about the Moff Gideon and if I had to write my perfect script, 
I would have had Bo Katan do the last shot and I would have had her do what Moff did to her, where she would have had to beat him, made him surrender. He would have like crumbled and surrendered and said mercy. And she's like, all right, well, I'm going to pull you and not actually let you surrender. And I'm still going to destroy you and then kill him. That would have been like sick. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. They, took the, they took the Disney route. They took the Disney route. <laughs> well, and I don't want to slam them too hard because they showed her using the dark saber in the midair combat. Like she was going in, yeah. they showed one or two stabbings. So they weren't full on Disney. I would have liked to, like you said, something a little bit more ruthless like that. Um, yeah, it felt quick. It was ambiguous. It was, he got engulfed by flames. Again, just one of those things that the community is potentially complaining about. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Whatever. I think uh, what you said is perfect. It's like instead of it being a nine, it's just now an eight. Like it was a yeah. fun, like it was still a, a good ending, just not maybe what it could have been. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of Ragnar, he is once again having to take the code, which <laughs> someone pointed out was weird. They didn't say why. Ragnar once again had to swear to the code when he did it in episode one. Well, he didn't finish it, it got, right? Didn't it, it got, got interrupted. interrupted? It got interrupted technically, mm -hmm. so it oh, didn't okay. get fully finished. Yeah. Okay, okay. And plus, now he's bathing in the actual waters. Now, come on, I mean, you got to be the. This he's is gonna true. Be the first, okay. he's, yeah, this is true, and this is the way. But yeah, so after he takes the code or swears to the creed. Din brings Grogu in and events transpire whereby he officially adopts Grogu. And we also learned that unlike any other Mandalorian, Din is Din Djarin's family name, whereas everybody else, such as Vizsla, such as Sabine Wren, such as Bo-Katan Kreese, it is the actual second name is your last name. But for some reason, Grogu takes Din instead of Djarin. Like, shouldn't Love he it. be Grogu Joran? Din Grogu sounds way better, but technically <laughs> it should be Grogu Joran, like which is just another one of the, those things where it seems like uh, every other Mandalorian has that naming convention. Why is it the opposite for these two? Yeah, they're special. That's why. But this was a great moment, man. I mean, Grogu is happy. Our boy, Daddy Pedro, is standing up for Grogu because uh, the armorer says, you know, he's too young. He can't recite the creed, but he's mando knows that he's well over like 50 years old and is like you know if he's my son can we do this and she's like this is the way this is the way and i love this because i don't know if this was a director choice or what but we actually have grogu babbling so he's no longer cooing he's babbling uh, and that okay. like because to me that is, you know feels like he's trying to he's formulating trying to formulate sentences a little bit better maybe he was trying to recite the creed here a little bit he was trying to show his dedication to the creed in the mandalorian way but what a phenomenal moment for grogu he really is a little bit of everything he's got a little bit of droid in him he's got a little bit of jedi a little bit of mando <laughs> in him dude where this guy's gonna be a beast when he's like actually capable of like talking and being wise yeah. i wonder if we'll ever get him fully talking and making sentences or if not in like any of these shows i think yeah. like if we do, if there's a star wars show like way down the line it would be about grogu well i mean the newest trilogy is about 25 30 years in the future i think mm -hmm. assumedly grogu makes it mm -hmm. past then and i'm yeah. sure they're planning on coming out with content that takes place after those movies uh still so at that point maybe grogu could at least be talking yeah uh, which it. is something <laughs> that's a cool thought.
Yeah. One, I really like how they refer to whatever as the song. Din's like, he's not a foundling anymore. Add him to the song. And then the mm. official induction is, let it be written in song that Din Djarin is accepting this foundling as his son. You are now Din Grogu, Mandalorian apprentice. You must leave Mandalore and take your apprentice on his journey, just as your teacher did for you, which... Do we know who his teacher was? No, that was huge. Yeah. That is I, I was I, taking all of this as like parent stuff. Like season four is going to be going into potentially locating Grogu's parents, potentially same. going into Din's backstory with his master. Like that's what I was taking. And that's that's where I took it as. And I think that would be a huge revelation to why hit the naming convention is din and din is like the the family name like mm-hmm. the clan name yeah then um, we can get yeah. into that yeah if we show his a teacher his apprentice and his teacher was somebody who wasn't you know like him like grogu isn't a mandalorian yeah but he's still din's son maybe fucking din was like a hut was his teacher and it was a big old fat <laughs> hut uh, of mandalorian that that taught him everything put it on the board it's a theory <laughs> can you imagine a hut in beskar armor how much fucking armor that would take be worth a fortune yeah so seriously. that actually talking about that i didn't think about that but yeah. that really gets me excited to kind of maybe we'll get some revelations about his mentor and dave i was thinking the same way i was thinking they could explore yoda's parents because mm-hmm. same species what does the armorer specifically say uh because mando asks what if his parents gave permission and she's like we don't know his parents and yes. they're probably in some faraway distant planet which yeah. felt like foreshadowing like oh yeah, we could totally like go looking for that faraway yep. distant planet in season four totally uh, so that would be really really cool um and was one of the things people were like oh it didn't really set up the next season i'm like they left it very open-ended so they could do whatever the hell they want like yeah now they're just contractors for hire like mandalore is going to be up and running i'm sure like they're going to go on an adventure and then we'll be able to see like mandalore after five years of rebuilding oh let's check in on bo katan help with the efforts maybe they got a mission for us i think season four could be awesome yeah i don't i don't know maybe it could be thrawn as like the big bad in season four but like i as I'm taking this right now is we don't have a villain for season four and it could be all just focus on, you know, like we were talking about Grogu, Din, their backstories, where they came from, get the audience back hype. If we want to include Yoda, you can absolutely do that. If season two's Luke reveal was such a big success, why not include Yoda somehow if they're the same species? Like this can all be dead, bro. Yeah, true. But (laughs) so force ghost. Yeah, Force Ghost, exactly. There's always hope. But, you know, I, I think we have at least some line of sight, and I they can kick it for right now if they want to. Just let Grogu give him time to speak, and then once he's able to talk, let's go find your fucking parents, man. Let's do it. So, yeah, in another scene, we have the official relighting of the Great Forge of Mandalore. I thought use it, was- it Use it to forge the new Darksaber. That's what I'm saying. Hey, I'm in. Uh, I thought it was a little bit of a cheesy scene, but I also looked at my roommate and I was like, of course, that's what they would do instead of clapping is just clanging yeah. their gone. Best car. Yeah, it just sounds so perfect. Like Paul said, such a West Ham fans. They're a bunch of West Ham fans. Throwing oh, up making the hammers. The hammers. Yeah. Dude, they totally would be West Ham fans. Not going to lie. Oh, yeah. I thought this was cool. Just watching the forge get lit and then kind of like exploding with the flame and then going back down to the concentrated little 
like blue. Mm. Oh God. I just, it's so cool. Mm. So that brings us to the next scene where we go back to a Delphi station and Din and Grogu have a run in, not a run in. They go to talk to Captain Teva. Uh, this was this was a pretty cool scene. Again, yeah. setting up what season four might look like. They essentially offer they tell that. I'm sorry. They don't offer. They tell him that they're going to start being independent contractors for the New Republic. Uh, his motive for that is I'm a bounty hunter by trade. But now that I have the kid with me, I don't want to collect bounties. I want to do good things <laughs> instead. Yeah. So that makes sense. I love Captain Teva. So I'm glad that that connection's uh, going to keep going. And this was... I thought this was actually a great way to get like the IG 11 part back. Just it was one of the heads at the bar or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I really liked this scene. Yeah. Captain Teva goat. We love him here on the podcast. So it was great seeing him. I always just love when Mando just goes back to old friends, like whether it's grief or Teva or whoever, you know, it's just always such a great reunion. And, you know, Teva's joking around with him. He's like, oh, you're going to, you know, you're joining the new Republic. He's like, well, I didn't say that necessarily i'll be an independent contractor but they just have such a great rapport that's just so genuine and i just know that they're going to do great things together and it's such a good resource for mando to have someone who's that deep in the new republic who can inform him of what's potentially going on in the outer rim yeah i think just such a clutch relationship going forward <laughs> it's just going to be so cool um seeing like the different conversations and missions that they he's sending him on so just really cool Win-win right there. I also still love the orange jumpsuits. I yeah. just brings me back to the old trilogy. <laughs> um, though, Dave, like you said, the only person we didn't see is Pelimato because the next scene we do go to Navarro uh, back to grief. Um, and uh, just another feel good moment. Uh, grief once again, thanks Mando for his work and what he's done for the planet. And Mando takes him up on his offer of getting a cottage just outside of town. But Mando also has a gift for grief and that is a newly refurbished ig11 who can act as the town's marshal so another win-win yep. this this whole episode was just tied up very nicely and it was very heartwarming and mm -hmm. it was very feel good i don't know do you guys feel good oh i felt amazing <laughs> i felt amazing afterwards just love ending on a, a happy positive note where our boys can just relax and hang out and not have anything to worry about so a good ending in a in the sense that it was very positive for everyone and then also and they gave us enough to potentially set us up for season four now if they've actually followed through with where we think they're going to go with season four that's another thing but as of right now i think we've got great content i thought it was a great wrap up to a what was a hot take apparently of a great season so <laughs> i i really love this show i really do yeah, everything was was definitely cleaned up nice and tidy and there was no loose ends. I feel like the only loose end is Moff's undercover agent. I forget her name. Oh, yeah. True. It's escaping me. That's kind of like one of the last loose ends because we didn't see her. She's just still um, in the New Republic, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, was it Elia? 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 Elia. Yeah, I was looking for the name. Gotcha. Yeah, she's so definitely going to be a problem. Actually, now I, I was saying earlier that there weren't any villains left. Scratch that; she is yeah. certainly up yeah. there. But well, I don't even know where she would go because, like, Moff was like the only one that really knew about her. Well, so, unless she, she goes to the Shadow Council, she hadn't been made yet, and she may 
be savvy enough to get in contact with the rest of the Shadow Council. So I, I think that's definitely a loose end that needs addressing next season, but she's still around and, you know. Mm-hmm. Also, IG-11 as a marshal scares the fuck out of me. Because yeah, his, <laughs> his eyes are like hit the fucking barrels of his laser blaster. So yeah. when he looks at you, he's literally pointing a gun at you. And I'm like, <laughs> that would make me so uncomfortable as a I was, civilian. <laughs> I was kind of thinking the same thing. It's like you have this like clearly armed to the fucking T weapon piece of weaponry just running around as your marshal and everyone's just like clapping. It's like that would just never fly. I mean, nah, they're yeah. used to having droids around. So, yeah, true. You know, different That's galaxy, the other thing. different culture. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, the last scene of the episode is Grogu and Din just kicking back, relaxing at their cabin. Grogu's playing with a frog, and the vibes are immaculate. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that they could just chill here. Um, We had that classic, like, Star Wars clothes, like the traditional, like, 80s, mm-hmm. 90s, like, yeah, zoom in with the yeah, circle. Yeah, the circle. I guess the only thing we really didn't talk that much more about was the mythosaur eye when it was when they were rekindling the fire. We saw yeah a little quick shot of it kind of sleeping and then its eye awoke. So um, really, all I have to say about that is just I hope we actually see a mythosaur in action for once in season four. Like, I hope it's just not going to just chill down there. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it'll be cool to see him if he actually the mythosaur does anything. If he like poops out Beskar and that's how they actually get the <laughs> Yeah, Beskar. that's where Beskar was, comes from. Yeah, like something like that. Um but yeah, the last scene, everybody was happy. I was like, dude, this could be the end of the Mandalorian and I'd be fine with it. I mean, everybody's this is great. Yeah, I gen- I actually surprisingly thought this was like the series finale going into the season. Um, but I think B Tom said said there might I think there's gonna be one more season. Um, but I thought this like if, going into this thinking this was the series finale, if this episode was the series finale, I think it ended on a an absolutely high point. I think it's it's perfect. Yeah, this seemed like a natural ending. And if I I'm pretty sure there are more seasons coming. Uh at the very least, I think it's gonna be like a hard reset. Next season's going to look very different, you know, mm-hmm. Moff Gideon we all really feel confident that he did die. So he's not going to be looming overhead. Probably Thrawn will be more prevalent. So there's a lot to look forward to. Um, Dave liked season three. I think people liked season three. Maybe like Paul said, they're a victim of their own success a little bit. Uh, season three was good. It was good. There were a lot of good moments. Um, yeah. Any lasting thoughts, gentlemen? This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I once again want to apologize for the delay on getting this episode out. Um, and that is going to be a wrap on our season three Mandalorian coverage. As always, if you like what you heard, give Bingetown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BingetownTV.com. Subscribe to our show on Spotify, YouTube, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Bingetown TV. And thanks for listening. Sixers win. This is the way. Let's go. Mm. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.